our congregation of prayer. That's what we're here for today. Uh, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School in Sherman Center. That's Random Lake, Wisconsin. And again, glad to have you here today. We will continue uh, in Matthew's Gospel, as we've been doing, now in Matthew 8, beginning in verse 14, for our catechesis and reading today. All right. Let us begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 83. O God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, Come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let us let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord. Against you they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gabal and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia and the inhabitants of Tyre, Ashur also has joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon, who were destroyed at Endor, who became dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, Let us take possession for ourselves of the pastures of God. O oh my God, make them like whirling dust. like chaff before the wind. As fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze, so may you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High, over all the earth. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our memory verse for this week, say it with me. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Ephesians 2, 9-20 through 20. And now, Christian questions and their answers. What should admonish and encourage a Christian to receive the sacrament frequently? First, both the command and the promise of Christ the Lord. Second, his own pressing need because of which the command, encouragement, and promise are given. But what should you do if you are not aware of this need and have no hunger and thirst for the sacrament? To such a person, no better advice can be given than this. First, he should touch his body to see if he still has flesh and blood. Then he should believe what the scriptures say of it in Galatians 5 and Romans 7. Second, he should look around to see whether he is still in the world. And remember that there will be no lack of sin and trouble, as the scriptures say, 
in John 15 through 16 and 1 John 2 and 5. Third, he will certainly have the devil also around him, who with his lying and murdering day and night will let him have no peace, within or without, as the scriptures picture him in John 8 and 16, 1 Peter 5, Ephesians 6, and 2 Timothy 2. All right. First reading today is from Isaiah chapter 19. The Burden Against Egypt Behold, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and will come into Egypt. The idols of Egypt will totter at his presence. And the heart of Egypt will melt in his midst. I will set Egyptians against Egyptians. Everyone will fight against his brother and everyone against his neighbor, city against city, kingdom against kingdom. The spirit of Egypt will fall in its midst. I will destroy their council, and they will consult the idols and the charmers, the mediums and the sorcerers. And the Egyptians I will give into the hand of a cruel master. And a fierce king will rule over them, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts. There ends the reading. Now reading from Matthew chapter 8. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laying, lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. There ends the reading. All right, so some catechesis. Uh, in verse 14, what does house typify? We talked about this yesterday, um, or especially with the Sermon on the Mount, right? The, the last part in chap chapter 7 about building a house. Yeah, the house is usually typified by the is typifying the church. That's right. Uh, what or whose house was talked about previously in Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13? Speak the word only. You know, he said, Come um, down to my, I will go down to your house, right? He was talking about the centurion's house. And the centurion, of course, was a Gentile, right? Now, today, uh, whose house does he visit? So, two houses in a row. Yeah, now it's Peter's uh, mother-in-law's house, right? Well, it's Peter's house. His mother-in-law lives with him. Um, now, was he a Jew or a Gentile? Of course, a Jew, right? So now we have these two houses set in opposition, and of course, uh, one being a Jewish house and the other being a Gentile house. First the Gentile, then the Jewish, right? Um, when were two houses mentioned like this before? 
Now we think back again to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Yeah, the wise man built his house upon uh, the rock, whereas um, the foolish man upon the sand, right? The parable of the two houses, if you like. What interesting fact do we then learn about Peter in verse 14? We talked about this in our Wednesday evening Bible study. Yeah, he had a wife, clearly, um, because he had a mother-in-law as well, right? His wife's mother. Uh, this is not unique. Um, Paul is, is kind of the exception to this, but um, the other apostles, um, especially Jesus's four brothers, we talked about um, a couple days ago. Yeah, those were, uh, they were married. How does Jesus heal his mother-in-law? This is different than yesterday. Yeah, he touches her, her hand. Right. Um, the word translated that she arose or got up is how it's sometimes translated. Um, this is a resurrection word, rose up. <laughs> so what, uh, what then is Jesus, well, what is Matthew showing us by Jesus' actions here about the healing that Jesus brings? Yeah, Jesus' physical body, his touch, has power um, over life, of life over death, right? Uh, maybe think of, my computer's super slow, it's really grueling here. All right, uh, Matthew 28, right? So um, this is uh, the angel speaking to, to the women. He is not here, uh, for he has risen. And he as he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Behold, I have told you, right? So that he is not here, he is risen. It's the same word as she arose and served him, right? It's a resurrection word. Uh, what people then does Jesus help? In verse 16. Now, those who are demon-possessed and those who were sick, right? Yeah. And what does Jesus then use to drive out the demons? Matthew's quite explicit. He cast out the spirits with a word, with a word, right? So the word is the thing that does it. Yeah, with a word. When had Jesus previously driven out spirits with evil spirits, with a word? In Matthew's gospel. Yeah, just go back to Matthew 4 and the temptation in the wilderness by the devil himself. And he cast out the devil from his midst by the word. Uh, what's important, do you think, about the quotation then in Isaiah, well, from Isaiah in verse 17? That's, of, of course, um, from the Suffering Servant song, right? Well, let me double check that. My memory is not so good today. Uh, yeah, Isaiah 53, verse 4, right? So 52, 53 is that Suffering Servant song. Okay, so I think it would be this. He takes upon him our infirmities, he bears our sicknesses. That's a way, that's Isaiah saying, uh, and Matthew confessing and showing here by these healings and exorcisms, that Jesus takes our sicknesses upon himself because sin results in sickness and death. In his death, he, in his death and resurrection, um, in the body, he overthrows the power of death. 
right? So by bearing, uh, this is what Luther calls the um, the blessed exchange, or um, I like how Pastor Brent Kuhlman calls it the sweet salvation swap. <laughs> uh, he takes our sin and along with it the consequences of sin, that is um, sickness, illness, possession, death, and then gives to us uh, forgiveness, life, salvation. What's the important, uh, we already talked about that. What does Jesus want to, uh, want to do in verse 18? Yeah, he wants to depart and go to the other side. Again, this is at the um, Sea of Galilee, right? He's at Capernaum, so he wants to go to the other side. And of course, he's going to go to the other side and then come back to that side again. <laughs> he goes back and forth across the sea or the lake there. Yeah. Now, who else um, talks? to Jesus, or talks like a teacher of the law, I should say, to Jesus in verse 19. Now, this is a certain scribe that comes forward to him, right? But who else often talks like a scribe? Yeah, this is actually St. Peter. St. Peter does often. Um, Think of Matthew 26, yeah, Uh, when uh, Peter answers and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble, right? So, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Very similar kind of statement, right? Or um, not in Matthew's gospel, but in John's gospel, John 13, we have a similar confession from Peter. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, this is, Christ announces his departure. Oh, yes, there it is. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Right? So I will go wherever you, where you go. Yeah, and he doesn't, Matthew doesn't tell us who this scribe is that said, said this, um, but we see something similar from Peter. All right, um, now what do you think Jesus is saying in verse 20? It's a kind of a parabolic or enigmatic kind of statement. What would you say? Yeah, so the, again, it's this statement, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Well, this is a word of uh, judgment against, against false teachers who always have a place to dwell, just like the foxes and the birds, right? Because people will receive them because of the falsehood that they say, um, because it's pleasant to the ears, right? They have itching ears. Whereas the true prophet is rejected, even though he will bring down the house of the false preachers, right? false teachers. Um, maybe as a backwash, or excuse me, back, what do you want to say? A background, there you go, to this. <laughs> um, you might think of back in Matthew 7, right, with the two houses, the way that the storms beat against the true house, right, and seek to overthrow it, right? Um, maybe later on in Matthew, let's see if I can get there, Matthew 17, there's a similar statement. Yeah, behold, Moses and Elijah appear to him talking. Um, with him, that statement. Now it comes after that. Excuse me, Matthew. Yeah, there it is. 
Now that while they were staying in Galilee, this is verse 23, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed in the hands of men, and they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up. I would say Old Testament background would be helpful here. I think foxes have holes and birds have nests, right? So let's go to Ezekiel 13. This is what the prophet says. Excuse me. Let's, uh, why did it not go to the right spot? Let's not do Ezra. Let's do Ezekiel. Ez 13. There we go. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, you prophets are like foxes in the deserts. There we go. And you have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel and to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision? And have you not spoken false divination? You say, the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Hmm. And then uh, skip ahead a little bit. Because, indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, where there is no peace. And one builds a wall, and they plaster it with untempered mortar, say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding rain, and you, O great hailstones, shall fall, and stormy winds shall tear it down. Surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, where is the mortar with which you plastered it? Yeah, I might as well keep going. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain in my anger, and great hailstones in fury to consume it. So I will break down the wall you have plastered with untempered mortar, and bring it down to the ground, so that its foundation will be uncovered. It will fall, and you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus I will accomplish my wrath on the wall, and on those who have plastered it with untempered mortar. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who plastered it, that is, the prophets of Israel who prophesy concerning Jerusalem, who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, says the Lord God. All right, so we have the storms like in Matthew 7, uh, but we also have them building this wall to protect Israel or this home, this house, right? But it will not, um, it will not last because, of course, it's not built upon Christ. Uh, he is as the cornerstone, we the foundation, um, nor, nor is it, um, built with what he called temp- untempered mortar. Um, this is um, used elsewhere, this expression. And Jesus refers to the scribes and Pharisees as whitewashed tombs. It's the same idea. It's untempered mortar. It's this white mortar um, that won't hold. It'll just wash right off. Yeah. Um, and then the other disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first go and bury my father. And then Jesus says to him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Wow. Does that seem harsh? Yeah. Um, Why would Jesus say such harsh words to him? Let the dead bury their own dead. Well, this is the problem with what we call life. Uh, Life lived apart from Christ is not really living. It's actually dying. All right. So Jesus is calling his disciples away from a life of unbelief and death, right? 
um, to, a, to the way of life that is by faith in him alone. Through Christ we have a new father, um, though our old father has died. And through Christ we have a new family, even as our other family dies. On the other hand, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are living because they are fathers in the faith. So let the dead bury their dead. Yeah, it seems kind of callous. um, But there is no proclamation of life for those who are outside of faith in Christ. They can only, what do do we do for funerals that, um, there's no Christian burial, (laughs) but for those who are outside the faith, what do they do? Celebrations of life. It's really a celebration of death, unfortunately. Right, so not a fan of the term. I'd rather celebrate what Christ uh, worked through them, the life that he gave them, um, but rejoice in the life that he has now given them um, through their death, actually death in him, through their baptism. All right, let's sing our hymn. I think I have the proper software set up today on this miserable computer. Okay, here it is. see in the uh, chat, there was a statement, it is harsh, and referring to Jesus' last statement there, Um, but also 
Uh, referring, to, I think, to my comment about funerals. So celebration of God's mercy and grace. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So sing um, hymns of what Christ uh, has done for that those who have died in the Lord. Right. Actually, this hymn would be um, an excellent hymn for a funeral. Unfortunately, my list is probably about thirty or forty hymns at this point. So, um, and maybe quite a few of those are psalms. So uh, I don't know how long funerals ought to be. <laughs> uh, probably not that long. So, but look at that. I mean, and it's just beautiful to talk about um, how the Lord has accomplished um, the end of trials and um, trouble and mourning and questions and doubts on the morning of the resurrection, right? For those who have died in the Lord. And how the Lord has called um, that those who have died in him um, as a shepherd with persuasive and tender words. Um, if you've been to a funeral um, that's been conducted uh, according to the book, I'd say according to Lutheran Service Book, the agenda um, for pastors there, uh, they have a, a suggestion I, that I've taken since day one in my ministry, I think it's a helpful one, is to have, I guess what we would call a Christian obituary, where we rejoice in all the gifts um, that God has given um, through his church to the one who has died. So rejoice in their baptism, uh, their confirmation, their uh, wedding, all right? Because we bless marriages right? Holy matrimony. Um, their lives of service and vocation, um, the way that they were given to receive God's word and his sacrament of the altar, right? Uh, and then to rejoice um, in the gift of children, right? Which is another blessing from God. And, and then rejoice in, in what we call a holy death, that is to die in faith in Jesus. So um, again, to rejoice in the gifts, right? And that's celebration of that life, but especially um, rejoice in the life of the world to come. So yeah, um, great practice for a Christian funeral then is to end with a, a hymn, a, an Easter hymn, right? Uh, pretty common in, in the congregations I've served is to sing, I know my Redeemer lives, right? And actually maybe even to hear uh, that word from Job 19 as the Old Testament reading. So just some suggestions there, right? But uh yeah, funerals aren't really for the deceased so much as they're for the living, right, who are dying, um, and best to proclaim the gospel to them in the context of that funeral, where the law is quite evident when you have the death of a loved one, right, or a friend, but uh, proclaim the gospel so that they too believe and will rejoice on the last day in the, uh, the feast of salvation with those who come from the East and the West. So, yeah, a connection between our, our reading and then the hymn that we just sang. Let's confess our common Christian faith by the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Fa Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray the collect for this week. O Lord, since you never fail to help and govern those whom you nurture in your steadfast fear and love, Work in us a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. 
Amen. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, you went throughout every town and village, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And all saw the miracles which you did on them that were diseased. Make haste, we cry to you, to help us, for the disease was severe in our land. Save the world from unbelief and proud times, that all the earth may be refreshed and may hope for the judgment and mercy of him who made her. Give the sick ease and remedy to prolong life. May they obtain your help and recover. May all who wait for the Lord, though, gain new strength. Remember in your kingdom the departed from this world. For you, O Lord, are the resurrection and the life. May all who believe in you inherit eternal life. Manifest to those who cry for the dead the love which surpasses knowledge, and protect us from disaster and despair, so that all might have hope through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures. Offer your help to doctors and nurses, to searchers and scientists, for from you come healing, let your peace come over all the earth. Abide with those who govern the world, and fill with wisdom those who have power over nations to have watching care for the well-being of citizens which are called upon to serve. Do not leave us when we are in our homes or on the streets, on journeys or in dangers, encompassed by many with sorrows of death. Stay with us, O Lord Jesus, our healer, and we will find rest for our souls, for you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray today for deliverance against temptation and evil for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. Let's pray for first responders, doctors, nurses, and all who work in nursing homes and hospitals. Pray for an end to anxious thoughts and constant worry, for deliverance from pestilence, sedition, and rebellion, and for our military personnel. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray with Paul Paneer, who today celebrates his birthday. We give thanks for a gift of, of holy matrimony for Gary and Barb, who rejoice today in their anniversary. We ask that you would extend your healing care upon all those who are sick, especially Marcella, Jan, David, Carol, Brad, Janet, Barb, and Carol, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Aaron, and Marion. We ask that you would comfort those who grieve, especially the Rush family and Pastor Lindau and his family. Pray for those who are isolated at home, Willis and Janice, Mickey and Bev, and our missionaries, the Federwitzes. For all these, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, 
that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Well, that seemed to work out okay. Just occasionally had a little computer glitches. So uh, hopefully you don't mind a little bit blurrier video than usual. Uh, Lord be with you all today. And uh, today's Tuesday. So tomorrow, remember, we have daily prayer in the morning. And uh, we have a Bible study in the evening where we will, I think, finish out. Are we on 1 Corinthians 8 or 9? Finish the end of, I think, hmm, my memory's not so good. End of chapter 9 and go into chapter 10, I believe. All right, so Lord be with you all, and we'll see you for devotion tomorrow.